Hi there. This is Laquita Thompson, the owner of Extreme Heat Sports Management. And this week on the I Am podcast, we're doing something different. We have a special guest who will be sharing historical moments in sports. That's right. We're going back in history, sports history, and you don't want to miss it. Tune in each week to hear great moments of athletes that we've heard of right here on the I Am podcast with a very special guest, a celebrity right out of the city of Houston, Texas. Hope you enjoy it. Part one starts now. Enjoy. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am legendary. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and people all over the globe, thanks for tuning in to today's special edition of the I Am Podcast. Today's guest is nothing less than a legend. He's a triple threat, a superstar activist, an award-winning journalist, and a sportscaster like none this town has ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were to list the 50 most influential athletes of the past 50 years, Today's guest will have interviewed just about all of them. Hailing from the University of Houston by way of the Ebony Worthing Coats, we're going to bring up the boss lady, Laquita Thompson, so she can introduce you to the Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper! Laquita Thompson, the founder of the I Am Podcast, and I am so excited to have a special guest with me here today, a legend in the city of Houston. He's one of the hardest working men in media. He's a media legend and has kept the Houston residents informed in sports and news for about 50 years. He has interviewed countless important sports figures. He's a graduate. Now, I can't leave this out. He is a graduate of Worthing High School, and he was inducted into the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, also honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Houston Association of Black Journalists. He has truly made an impact on his community and this industry. Please, I am community. Please help me welcome none other than Mr. Ralph Cooper to the show. Hi, Mr. Ralph Cooper. How are you doing today? All right. And you can call me Ralph from this point on after that great introduction that I couldn't pay you for. If I had a similar speak here this morning, I would just give you all of it or most of it or some of it. But anyway, thanks, thanks, thanks. Okay. Thank you so much. And um, I know that we were trying to do this earlier, but COVID came upon us and delayed this opportunity, but I'm so excited to have you join me today and share um, some great history with us today. Uh, I know many of some of the millennials and some of the younger kids here may not know um, your background or who you are or how you got started. So I would like to first just start, tell me, how did you get started in this industry with news and media and sports? Well, I was inspired by two things. One, one was when I went to, um, uh, youngsters may not know this, uh, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay. Muhammad Ali's draft case was in Houston because he moved to Houston from Louisville. He purchased a home here in, uh, in the mid, uh, the 
1965, 66. So his draft status in regards to Vietnam, et cetera, they were drafting people. Then his draft status changed and his, he had a Houston address. And as a result, he went to federal court fighting the government in regards to going to the service. And his case was here in federal court in Houston. I would go to the federal court and I noticed that I saw few, if any, black reporters. And it, it, that kind of inspired me. That's, that stuck in the back of my mind. Although at that time I had two jobs. I was going to uh, uh, going to school. I was going to the uh, what is now the University of Houston downtown. I had two jobs, the National Biscuit Company. I worked uh, 11 to 7, and I had another 11 to 7 at night. And I had another job where I did reading meters from 7 in the morning to when else. But to make a long story short, the other thing that, that was around 1966, 67, the other thing that influenced me was Dr. going to Dr. King's funeral, Martin Luther King's funeral. When I went to Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, funeral, uh, I thought I was doing a lot here in Houston. So I get to Atlanta, and we are in the, my uncle and I, my uncle, Benny Wilson, the Reverend, we drove over to Atlanta. Uh, I had just, uh, I was 19 or 18, 19. My mother didn't want me to go because I had never been through uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and, and those type places. Uh, Louisiana, Georgia. Uh, I'd never been east and in a car. And during that time, I had to fight with my mother uh, to to uh, get her okay to go. And later on, she really appreciated me going. But anyway, so we're in the funeral procession. My uncle and I, we had no clue. Uh, we get there just in time. Uh, to into the march, and then I meet some young people like myself uh, who were students at Spelman and Morris Brown College, and they asked yes, we marched. See, most people, they just see all those people out there marching. They don't know that there were conversations going on with those 100,000-plus people out there. So they asked me, what was I doing in Houston? So I was probably, I said, what I was doing. So one of them, four sisters, and uh, one said, you're not, you're not doing nothing. You know, what you're doing, you just worry about yourself and your family. You need to do more. And it's kind of stuck in my mind. And, and then they asked, uh, the other thing that they asked, they said, uh, you seem to be pretty smart. What did you make, uh, what kind of college entrance, entrance test do you have? I never told this kind of story. So I told, I said I had 1,100 to 1,200. They said, you could go to Morehouse. They said, my father works in Morehouse. And uh, we can get you in the Morehouse. You have to work. Just like you're doing, you may have to pick up some trash or something. So my mind wasn't on going to the Morehouse. My mind wasn't on leaving Houston. My mind was on how could I take what they had parlayed to me in regards to what I was doing, in regards to community. How could I take that and turn it into a positive for where I lived instead of moving to Atlanta and maybe going to Morehouse, which this Ralph Cooper never would have happened. So anyway, that's how I got started. Those two things inspired me. The other one was when I got back here, I was reading the Forward Times newspaper and they had an ad where they were looking for reporters. They were looking for reporters. And uh, so I called and I got an appointment and I go in and I met three icons here in Houston. Uh, uh, Julius Carter, who was the publisher, founder of the Forward Times. Barry Shields, who was the managing editor. Sonny Wells, who was the associate managing editor. And they hired me right on the spot. I had never really written before. But what they gave me uh, was a chance to start from the bottom. I would go to the courts 
and I would cover the jails and the court cases. I could write whatever I wanted to write. They would edit it. Whatever I saw that I wanted to write, I could write. I told them I wanted to do sports, and they told me I couldn't do sports. For six or seven months, I couldn't do any kind of sports. They had me doing this court stuff. Well, I was in the rape cases. I did all kinds. I took it to another level. Anybody who was around at that time knew what happened. I got a press pass. I took it to another level by going to those courts, met the, dis- the uh, district attorney and all these different lawyers. And basically, that's how Ralph Cooper got started. And he parlayed that in the sports later on. Wow. I hope I wasn't too long. Wow. That yeah. is some amazing history yeah. and the people that inspired you along the way. And then how how difficult was it once you got your foot into the door? How difficult was it or what obstacles did you come across as you was breaking into broadcasting, radio broadcasting? Well, see, as a, as a result of the newspaper, see, it was the newspaper thing that helped me get into the broadcasting. The newspaper thing because uh, they finally gave me a chance to cover sports. Okay, I had the junior high schools, which are middle schools now, and the Astros. Nobody wanted to cover the Astros at the Fort Times newspaper. So I would, I, uh, I got those two. And as a result, many of the young people who may see this, I interviewed their grandfathers or their, or their grandmothers, or their uncles, their aunts at that particular time who were, who were coming up in, in the middle school. They gave me a chance to tune my skills up, tone my skills up, and by interviewing people. And as a result, the, the, the baseball thing came. Going to the baseball games, I learned that I could interview the greats of the game at that time. The, the, uh, the, I mean, all of the greats of the games of that time, I interviewed Willie Mays, I interviewed Roberto Clemente, anybody you could name, I interviewed. I interviewed Satchel Page, I interviewed uh, even the white guys, Mickey Mantle, Dizzy Dean, any of these people that came through that Astrodome, I interviewed them at that particular at that particular time. And the thing about it was I realized something else when I first started. Most of the people tried to write the stuff down. And maybe I was ahead of my time. That's why I appreciate what you young people are doing now with social media. I, I, I uh, started watching. I said, now, if I got a tape recorder and tape these people, they would probably feel more comfortable with me trying to write it down and being black at that. I'm, I'm doing something black people has kind of never done before. And then I'm trying to write it down and compete with these white guys. And uh, who were I competed with them, but they inspired me because I saw what they were doing and how good they were. And it took me to another level. Now the blacks, I was inspired by blacks across the country because you had black guys in other places who were much older than me. You had Sam Skinner in San Francisco who had been around for 20 some odd years. You had Howie Evans who worked with the New York Amsterdam newspaper and radio up in in New York City. You had uh, Brad Pye, who just passed at 90-some, 80 or 90 years old. He was in Los Angeles, and he worked with the newspaper and the radio in in, uh, Los Angeles. Then you had a guy, Chico Renfro, who worked over in Atlanta, who did the same thing. They were all older older than me. They, They inspired me by watching them when they came around and how much respect they got, not just in their own community, but in other communities also. So to make it a long story short, because of my work in, in 
the newspaper. I want to give the Forward Times credit. I want to give credit to the Houston Post newspaper. At that time, I was a stringer with them covering the high school games. They, because of the work I did there, the people, black people who were in radio noticed me. And that's how I got started. Skipper Lee Frazier with KCOH and uh, Perry King with KCOH and also Rick Roberts with KYOK who gave me my first paying job. Wow. Also from Worthing High School. (laughs) I know. We always got to make sure we mention Worthing High School. Right. uh, You know, it's funny that you you mentioned um, transitioning from having to write things down to recording because... I wanted to know um, how was the transition as technology changes? Like how how has it helped you or has it hindered you or has it been intimidating for you? Or this is um, how has it worked for you along the along this path in these years? OK, I saw I, I noticed one thing about the newspapers. Now, many of the people that I interviewed back in those times in the 70s and the 80s, believe it or not, they still have the articles. They, they have those articles, they, they cherish them like they are part of a Hall of Fame or something. And you know, you see your byline. Thank goodness I had my byline up there with my name on. But, okay, I, I realized as I, as I started, and I realized something quick, quick, uh, real quick, once I started doing the sports thing, that although they kept those articles and they read those articles, and although when I started on radio, I had only five minutes twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, thanks to KYOK and Rick Roberts, who was the, uh, the, uh, who was the program director I had. And, and to be on the same radio station, they had Howard Cosell. They had Howard Cosell also early in the morning. And they had uh, Jimmy Wynn with the Astros, or either Charlie Frazier with the Oilers, Houston Oilers at that time. They had them on also. And to be in that kind of mix meant now, how am I going to compete with these kind of individuals? Because they had, you know, they were pros. And here I was just starting, who didn't really have any name, didn't have a name. So I had to get my name out there. So I would drag my name. I, I've noticed I picked that up from Marvin Zimler, who was at Channel 13. He would always yeah. drag his name out. So I said, now, if I drag my name out, they'll know who, who I am. So I started dragging my name. And sure enough, it... Uh, Called on some of those youngsters who were who were youngsters then they started doing the same thing. But to make to make it make it even easier for you to understand, I also picked up right quick that only on the radio for really three minutes a day because they had sponsors. Three minutes, two times a day. If I said the right thing in those three minutes, people were going to be impacted by them all day. So I picked the right cuts, right pieces of interviews from coaches, and then I would make predictions. I knew I was going to be wrong, but I knew that they would remember the, you know, the prediction. Mm-hmm. So that's how, that's basically, and, and sure enough, it caught on where you had people, you know, they were they were hoping you were right in some cases, but many were hoping you were wrong because they didn't want to get beat. So that's that's what happened basically. And in the black community here in Houston, they had never had that before. And then see what most people don't know. The white people were listening. The other people in the other neighborhoods were listening because they wanted they wanted to interview these individuals, in many cases the white reporters, but they were afraid to go up to them. They were afraid to go ask Willie. Willie Mays hadn't interviewed anybody in, in years. And, and they were afraid to go ask them for an interview. But hey, I came from my neighborhood. Where I had been around uh, some of the greatest 
student athletes of all time. Greatest thugs and behind kickers, I can't, can't use another word, of all time. So what was this and been uh, whipped and beaten on and abused in a positive way by great coaches who molded you into uh, to being a man, a man? And who, how was I going to be afraid to walk up to these individuals and ask for an interview when all they could do was say yes or no? Jesse Owens, yes. Jesse Owens, early in the morning. You know, to be interviewed at six o'clock in the morning. So what I would do, I said, well, I don't want to be late. I'll get there an hour later. I'll just go there when I, whenever I wake up, I'm going to go to this radio station and be waiting for Jesse Owens. And the great Jesse Owens would be in his face. He was promoting uh, for, I forgot, Sears or whatever. And he would come to town. And it got to the point where for about five or six, seven years while we did those interviews every year, he would be looking for me. And I, and I, and I, but I was startled to learn that he was just a man. Mm. He smoked and he, 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 he had coffee. I didn't honor him coffee. <laughs> that was just amazing to me. How could this guy run like this and, and smoke? And then mm-hmm. I thought he had been smoking for years. He didn't just start smoking or drinking coffee. So that was that thing. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that is something. And and you just transitioned right into where I was going next, because I know you have interviewed um, celebrities, you know, super athletes. So I want you to give me and you can give me your top one or your top three highlighted moments with some of those uh you know, important people that you had an opportunity to work with, like you're talking about Jesse Owens, like what are some key moments during that time that we don't know about that you have the inside history regarding? Thanks for tuning in to this special edition of the I Am Podcast, brought to you by Extreme Heat Sports and Fat Bars Records and Multimedia. We'll be back again next week with more of this must-hear interview. Until then, be well.